they're not real flames. So, um, well, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a women's retreat, and there was a report that I received just from Carol's small group about how blessed they were to be there and, and how special that was to them. And so we've asked a couple women to um, give a little testimony about what the retreat was like. And so um, I'm not sure. I, I know that there were at least two ladies. Um, so if they would come on up, I think one's Carrie, the other's Sammy. Okay, I don't know if there's anybody else. One more. And that's it. Okay, so come on up, ladies. Okay. You can encourage them. We wanted to make this um, easy on them, and so uh, we've given them some, th- some thought questions that they could think about so they didn't have to feel like they had to prepare something. Um, so the first one's really easy. Um, can one of you share about what the, th- or both of you can, what the theme was and who your speaker was and where you were? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a story about that. As far as the theme, I am drawing a big blink. However, it was held in Marietta, at Marietta Hot Springs, beautiful facility. Um, there is a Bible church there as well. So the students who attend the, uh, the college were servers in the dining halls as well as when we were in our large room, they were the ones who assisted us with everything that we needed. So wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, in regards to our speaker, it was Vivian Mabuni, and she shared with us her um, walk when she had cancer, and we had the privilege to get her book, which was, um, which was wonderful. Yeah, I, I highly recommend getting the book. It's excellent, and she's an awesome lady. It's an awesome lady. What's that? Oh, the title? Do you know what the oh, I'm blanking out. <laughs> it was and, because of Warrior. Warrior, warrior in Pink. Yeah, Warrior in Pink. Yeah, it's okay. so abundant. That's what it's called. Abundance Warrior. Well, what I understand, what I heard. It was so abundant. Yeah. <laughs> Overabundant. Yes. But the blessing that I heard from that was that a lot of times we don't feel we don't feel that fullness. And this was the, the thought that uh, Vivian brought was about the fullness that God brings in community to us. Um, and I wasn't even there. Um, and so, but I heard that because of the overflow of what the ladies had shared with me. Um, but maybe you can share what was something that was encouraging that you received at this retreat that you would want to share with others that they might be encouraged? Well, I, I think for me it was... Um more the level of uh, sisterhood and, and uh, fellowship uh, that I experienced. Um, I guess being away from the daily grunge of, uh, you know, uh, stresses with the kids and, and work, um, it allowed a lot of the women to um, kind of just relax and, and be more transparent. Um, so it kind of deepened relationships for me anyway and uh, created new ones. So that was very um, a great experience. And uh, Husbands, continue to bring, send your wives to those, those you know, retreats because it's really worth it. What was the, can you describe a little bit more? What did, how did she talk about transparency? What did that mean? Oh. Either one. Either one. Um, to be true in the moment, uh, being transparent is to be vulnerable so that others can um, not only see your pain but share in the pain and walk with you, walk beside you. Um, I think too many times we put up guards and walls um, to make ourselves appear that everything is okay uh, when, when everything is not. And um, the sense of vulnerability allows others to then come into our circle 
um, and share with us and allow them to share, uh, allow us to share with them and for them to share with us that we may be encouraged. So that was a wonderful thing. Were you going to share something else, Kathleen? Oh, um, <clears throat> for me, uh, the idea of abundance, um, so overwhelmed for me, was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And in regards, for me, it was I came with a readiness and an openness to receive whatever the Lord had uh, had ready and prepared for me. And for me, I went, and I, I would say for a long, long time, coming to Southern California, one of the things I really desired was for um, lasting friendships. I did not grow up here in Southern California, and I have been here now at Harvest for eight years. And one of the things I really, really desired was to have a bosom buddy. Um, and uh, the weekend just really showed me how I might not have one bosom buddy that I'm extremely close with, that I can share my inmost thoughts and my, my heart's desire, but that this family of Harvest and all the women are, in fact, all of my buddies. And I was so overwhelmed with their um, warmth, their openness to share, and um, just the fact that I could feel so at home. And that was truly a blessing and surely was so overwhelmed by God's goodness and abundance to me. I just wanted to share that I had the the uh, privilege of uh, bunking with uh, Sammy here, and um, she's great. She she's just so open and just uh, willing to love and and just shared so much. And so I felt that I, I grew so much from it. So um, maybe just one last question: Was there something that's happened since the retreat that you found a blessing that you're applying now in your life? Um, I would say personally, um, learning how to take or accept help um, and also ask for help. I I think for a lot of us, um, it's a challenge to, um, you know, to accept help because it's a sign of weakness. Um, You don't want to be a burden to other people. And uh, um, also there's that stigma in the Asian culture about, you know, bringing out your, you know, your weakness and, and asking and, and not being able to handle your own problems. So I think this weekend kind of helped me understand that that's the way God wants us to be, is to uh, be a community and uh, be open to the sisterhood and the brotherhood that, uh, that he wants for us and as a church and community. So. Um. For me, I would have to say it's love. Um, I was so overwhelmed with God's love. And today, every time I, and uh, how God's love for me really gives me worth. Um, Not the world, not my job, um, not my pay or anything else, but it's God's love that gives me worth. And in that, I see everybody, and I see so much worth in everybody that I encounter, and how so very precious everybody is to the Lord. And, you know, I, I work at a school, <clears throat> and some of these kids, it's like fingernails on chalk, I mean, on the, on the chalkboard. It's like, oh! Um, but I look at them with fresh eyes, like, you are so precious, and how, how God loves you so much. And that gets me through the day, as well as uh, my desire to share God's love with them um, in small ways if I can, and um, that's a great privilege. Thank you very much. 
Um, we really appreciate you sharing and appreciate all those that did the leadership to go to encourage the women to go. We know a lot of women couldn't go that weekend, so we do hope that when the next one comes up, not only the women, but hopefully a men's and a family one in the future, that this will be a chance for us to experience um, the family as we, we spend time together. So um, you may be dismissed and going back. Thank you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Carrie and Sammy and just living out what they learned there. Lord, they, they took a risk. They just took a step to be vulnerable, to let others see a little bit into their lives, some translucence and some transparency. Lord, help us to be that way as well. Help us not to be afraid to share and to, to let people know, as they said, that we need some help. We hurt Lord, the very thing that we want so much is that somebody lets us know they care, and how can they unless we let them know we need that care? And so, Father, we pray that as a congregation and as a people, as people both at church and in community and in the world, we would be reflections of your light, of this type of love. Lord, you opened up yourself to us. You came down from heaven that we might see you, know you, you bore our pain so that you would be able to say, I do know what you're going through. So, Lord, even today as we look into communion and, and what it means, help us to see, Lord, that here, even in a meal, in food and in drink, something that we desperately need every week, every day, Lord, that you supply that for us, not just physically, but also in spirit and in truth. So, Lord, open our hearts to you today. Help us to understand that which we do. In Jesus, amen. amen. So about a month ago, um, I received an email, and it was a request from somebody in the congregation to explain the meaning of Holy Communion. Um, a small group in our church was meeting, and they were going through the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and they're in chapter 11, which is a wonderful chapter that teaches about Holy Communion. And they said that there was a lot of there that they weren't fully sure that they understood and that there were things that they wished that we as a congregation understood not only together but also that individually so that we can also teach our children because a lot of our children don't understand. And so today I wanted to bring a message as it's perfectly um, timed with this week of Passion Week and today being Palm Sunday because it was in this time, it was in this week that the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper he had entered into Jerusalem, and he was going to go and celebrate the Passover feast with his disciples. And so it's perfect timing for us to look into this particular part of the story in chapter 26. And it's called the Hour of Darkness. But in the chapter, there is this amazingly bright light of Christ's love and of what he brings and what he shares and what he wants us to know. Um, the light is a light that is a light of celebration. It's a light of hope. It's a light of joy. Um, it's a light that can guide us and help us to understand not just what Jesus was doing in the communion and not just what the bread and what the juice mean, but what together it means to us as we partake and as we share. And one way that we might think of this is begin to think of the questions that somebody might ask if they didn't understand anything about something very common that we do. So I want you just to imagine that um, you're having your birthday party, okay? You may be having a birthday party for a friend or for your children, and there's a knock at the door. 
and you open the door and um, there's an alien there, all right? But it's a, he's a he, she, it, it's a very friendly alien, all right? And the alien says, you know, I am here to get to know your people. May I come in? And there's just something really charming about this alien. So you invite him, it, her in, and it comes in. And it sees that you've all set up for a birthday party. And they say, well, what are you doing? And they say, well, we're having a birthday party. Well, what is a birthday party? Might be a question they would ask. And you can start to think about this, that if somebody comes into church, they've never been in church before. They've never been in connection with the Bible. They don't have any understanding of what this meal is, this communion meal, then they might have similar questions that the alien might have regarding a birthday party and its meal. So they may come in and go, well, you know, what's, what's that? And you say, well, that's a cake. Well, what do you do with the cake? Well, we eat it. Um, why? why are you setting it on fire then? You know, all right? What is that all about? And what are those pretty boxes that you have? Why are they wrapped? Um, why do you sing? Um, who are the people here? Why did you invite them? Why aren't there more people? How did you choose these people? All those similar questions would come into play. But as you began to explain to the alien what you were doing, you would be telling them at least three significant parts of why you're having a birthday party. One is you're celebrating something that happened in the past, correct? You're celebrating the birth of somebody that you love. But you're doing it in the present so that today it has meaning, so that today it has value. But you're also saying happy birthday. And we always say when somebody has a birthday, I say, may you have a happy year ahead of you. So it's also something to bring a blessing towards the future. And so a birthday party encompasses the whole of a life. You remember the birth, you're celebrating in the present, and you're wishing them a great future. Well, it turns out that communion is exactly the same thing. And so for us to understand a birthday party as if we were an alien is the same way and manner in which we might understand communion if we didn't know what it was. And I know that many of us here have different understandings of communion and have different ways of looking at it. And some maybe just have a very simple or uh, a very beginning part. And I hope that for all of us today, we'll be able to see communion in a fresh light, in a new light, and be able to see how it does bring us to the past in a great way and connects us to that, how it makes our present extremely meaningful, and how it gives us tremendous hope. In fact, the hope we really need for the future. And so the first part is that Holy Communion connects us. Holy Communion connects us with the past. It unites us with the past of all of God's saving acts. It unites us with the past of everything that God has done in the history so that we could know him, we could be connected to him, so that our sins would also be forgiven. So we read about this in Matthew 26, and you have it there in your outline. And would you read it with me together? Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Let's read it together. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Okay, Jesus is in the last week of his life on earth. 
he has asked his disciples to get together to celebrate a special meal. That special meal is Passover. Passover is the meal that celebrated what God had done in the past. It was an extremely important celebration to the Jewish people. And it brought them to the past of when God had delivered them out of Egypt. And so there was a very special ceremony that would happen in the family that they celebrated Passover. So Jesus is with his family. And families throughout the Holy Land would have been celebrating the Passover together. And it was at an event where everybody got involved. And even the children would get involved. And so towards the beginning of the meal, one of the children, usually the youngest, would ask a question. And this meal would be celebrated at night. And so the child would say, why is this night different from all other nights? Why is this night different from all other nights? So the question would be posed, what is special about this event? What makes it so unique? Why are we doing it? Why do we do it? And then the father would say, because of this night, when our God, the Holy One, blessed be he, came down to Egypt and rescued us from the Egyptians. And so the Passover was the celebration of the event where the Israelites were being delivered out of Egypt and God was sending a plague. And the plague was going to be that all the firstborn sons of Egypt would die except the children of Israel as long as the blood of a lamb was sprinkled on the doorposts of their home. And that was then the angel would pass over their home and their child would not die. And then God delivered them out of Egypt. And so from this sacrifice of the lamb, the people of Israel understood the promise and the hope of one who would sacrifice for them. They didn't know that's what Messiah was going to do, but Jesus was trying to teach that now to his disciples, that he is the Passover lamb. And so just as Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, he was now connecting what we call communion with the Passover because that's what it meant to him. So the disciples, as they were taking the Passover meal, they were thinking about what happened in Egypt. But Jesus is doing something new now. He is helping them to see that the bread and the wine that they use all the time in the Passover meal is now being changed into something new, into something special. But he has for them a story in it. And the story is the connection of how all the Israelites... You know, when, the, when they did it, they were connected to their past. Just as the father said, this is the time we remember that God delivered our ancestors. And so the disciples as Jews and as those celebrating the Passover were remembering their connection with all the Israelites of the past. But there were many families that were also celebrating the Passover in different homes. And they are connected with them as well. And so there is a connection of Passover with all of the Jews of all of history, of all time, and of that time. And Jesus was saying, we are all one. Communion does the same thing for us. We are connected with God's saving acts, not just with the church here at Harvest, not just with the church down the way at Calvary, not just with the big church like Saddleback or Mariners, but with the church all over the world. And not just the church all over the world today, but the church all over the world of all of history. 
And so God is connecting us with communion. God is connecting us with the bread to the story of what God's been doing. And we've been studying that as we read the story. So we are connected to the story of the Israelites. We are connected with God's story with them. We are connected with Jesus' story with them. We are connected with the disciples' story with them. Our story is connected with God's story when we partake of communion. When we take the bread and we take the juice or the wine, we are connected to the body of Christ. We are connected to the body of the Passover lamb. We are connected to the blood of Christ. We are connected to the blood of the Passover lamb, that God is connecting us. And so we take it as our unity with God's people and all of his saving acts. But taking of communion, taking of the Lord's Supper, it doesn't save us, okay? And I think this is such an important thing to understand, that salvation doesn't come by a physical action that we do. We can't earn salvation. God loves us just the way we are. No matter where you are right now, he loves you. Maybe at one time in your life you felt really close to God and now you don't feel close to him at all. He loves you just as much as when you felt close to him. He loves you whether you feel close to him or whether you don't. He, he loves you. Maybe last night was a really bad night and you did something you really regret. And you're feeling really, really guilty right now. He loves you just as much now as he did before you ever thought of doing any kind of sin that you may regret doing. He doesn't love you any more than he's always loved you and he doesn't love you any less than he always loves you. He loves you perfectly and he loves you the way you are. But he knows that we need him. He knows that we need his forgiveness. And he knows that we need his salvation. And so he comes to us and he says, I bring you my salvation through the blood of my son, through his sacrifice, through what he did for us. And when you believe, when you believe in your heart that Christ died for your sins, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Paul says in Romans, then you will be saved. For it is the heart that a person believes. And then it was his mouth that he confessed what he believes. And that is the salvation that God gives to us. So the partaking of the meal doesn't give us salvation. The partaking of the meal says, I have salvation. When I partake of the meal, what I'm saying is that Jesus died for me. I know this. I believe this. When I partake of the meal, I'm saying that I trust in Jesus and all that he's done for me. I'm trusting that what he did on the cross was for me, and I receive and believe that he has forgiven all of my sins. And so we partake of communion, remembering all that Jesus did. But it is more than that, too. It is something that God does presently to bring us closer to him in spirit and in truth. And so secondly, Holy Communion unites us. It unites us in our present need for God's living bread. And this is very much about what was just shared here by the ladies. It unites us. Communion is never, you never see communion happening in the Bible among just two people. It's always in a community. It's at the smallest group was Jesus and his disciples. Okay. That there's always a community when they partake of communion. We read about it in Acts. It's the whole church sharing it together. And so communion is a communal action. 
It's something that we share together, but it is something that we do presently. A communion has many different names, all right? It has at least four biblical names. Um, one is called the breaking of bread, and we read that in the book of Acts. It says that the disciples, when they got together, they broke bread together in each other's home, and they also broke bread together, meaning the breaking and the remembering of the bread that Jesus gave to them for communion. A second word that is called in some of the uh, churches that are a little more traditional, call it the Eucharist. And Eucharist comes from the word that means thanksgiving. And whenever Jesus gave the communion, whenever Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, the Bible says that he looked to God, he gave thanks, he broke bread, he gave thanks, and he gave the wine. And so he gave thanks, and there was thanksgiving. And so some churches call it the Eucharist or the thanksgiving. Um, some churches, and sometimes I like to call it this as well, call it the Lord's Supper. And that one is, is obvious that this was what happened the night of the Passover dinner. And so it was changed from the Passover dinner to the Lord's dinner or the Lord's Supper. And Paul refers to that in Corinthians. So, so when it was studied in 1 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul refers to communion and to the Lord's Supper. But the verse that I like that helps me to better understand communion and why I like to call it communion is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. But that's at the bottom there on your outline. And could we read that together? Okay. Let's say it together. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. You know, we are sharing a meal together as a family. The best memories that I have in life usually are surrounded by a meal or have a meal connected with them. Um, our weddings, right? We have a wedding dinner. We have a special. Our celebrations, our birthday parties. Uh, whenever something special happens, usually we commemorate with a dinner, just like we did with the 20th anniversary of our church. Meals are an important part of what we do. And God is bringing this meal together so that we can share in the body and in the blood of Jesus. And we are doing this in communion. And it's often called holy communion. Holy is the same word where we get the word saints. It means set apart. And so this meal is set apart from all other meals. So just as a child might say at Passover, what makes this night different from all others? We should say, what makes this meal different from all others? What makes this meal different? all others. In John chapter 6, 48, Jesus gives us the, the, the essence of the meaning of this meal and what makes it so very, very different, so very, very special, and so very, very precious to us. And so you have that there on your outline on the back side, John 6, 48. Uh, let's read that together. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. God wants us to know that this bread is the bread of life. This is living bread that we need. Just as we need food, Okay, to live. We need bread to live. But we need more than physical bread. We need living bread. We need a bread that brings us in connection with Jesus, 
who died for us. We need a bread that brings about life, a present meaning in our lives that God loves us. That when you have a great meal, you have a great time, you have a great celebration with people, it's a happy time, it's a joyful time. And communion ought to be a joyful time too. That God in his presence with us is present to bless us and to change us so that whatever we're doing right now, he wants to share with us. Wherever we have a hurt, he wants to bring his help. Wherever we have a need, he wants to bring his hope. Wherever we have a hunger, he wants to fill us. Holy communion is something that will fill your need, whatever it is. Even the needs you can't put your finger on. I don't know exactly what it is that I need. I just know something's missing in my life. God promises that. Um, much of what I learned about communion for this message is from a little, short, little book called The Meal Jesus Gave Us by Tom Wright. The Meal Jesus Gave Us by Tom Wright. And um, I want to read a quote there, and you have it there on your outline. But it says, and Tom Wright writes this, Holy communion, the story, the drama, the actions, and above all, the prayer and the love, this food, through the Spirit's mysterious work, is a true anticipation in the present of the food that will sustain us in the age to come. And the name of that food is Jesus. The name of that food is Jesus. And so today, when you are invited to partake in communion, you are invited to partake in Jesus. It is an expression of your willingness to receive his love. You know, when we celebrate a birthday, we remember the person's birth, right? We celebrate that. But we're not just celebrating the, the memory of the birth, although that's a great thing. I remember the day my children were born. I remember all their, their parties for their one-year parties. We had at the same restaurant. It was a great expression. It was with our family, and we loved it, and we enjoyed it so much. But we're not just remembering that now as they get older. Okay, we are also celebrating today and who they are. And we're so blessed to know that this is what they're becoming. And the love that God has for them now, we want them to experience. And the love that we have for them now, we want them to experience, right? I mean, when you have a party, you want to experience that love right now. It's not just a celebration of a past love. It's a living of a present love. And it's also a promise that in the future, I'm going to continue to love you. And so as we partake of communion, this is also a way for us to say, I have a great hope. I have a great hope that's going to continue not just with the joy and the meaning of what I have in the present because of what God did for me in the past, but now all three are united. And so if we look at our third point of today's message, we see that Holy Communion proclaims something of the future. It proclaims the reign and the promises of God's future kingdom. I think Jesus came to bring us the kingdom, but he tells us it's a hidden kingdom right now. The kingdom of God is like a seed in the ground. It's like yeast and flour. It's something that's real. It's happening. It's alive. It's growing. It's moving. But it's not completely visible yet. But there is a day where it will be completely visible. And that is in God's future kingdom. We call that heaven. But it's in the time when God is reigning over all the universe and everybody sees it. Everybody, both those who believe and those who don't. But God wants us to believe it and experience it, not just in the here and now, but with the hope that we are going to experience it in the future in a present and powerful and positive way. And so Jesus talks about that in verse 29 of Matthew 26. And it's in your outline. I'll read it. You can follow. 
And there Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so what Jesus is pointing to is the future in Holy Communion. He is saying that there's going to be a future celebration, a future banquet, when he is going to celebrate with us everything that his victory on the cross won, everything that the bread and the juice represent. All that it is represents that God's kingdom has been victorious over evil, over sin, and over death. And all the promises of God will be fulfilled in heaven when we experience the joy of eating together with him. We don't see Jesus now, but when we eat together, we are experiencing Jesus now. But someday, he will serve us the meal. We will be with him in heaven. We will be there. We look forward to a future kingdom and a future hope. Um, Tom Wright continues in his book, and I, I don't have that there in your outline, but it should be up there on the screen. And he talks about what it's like to look forward to the future when we take the bread and when we take the cup. And he says, when we take the bread and break it and eat it, when we take the wine and share it around, it isn't only that we seem to be there with him in his last supper. We are there with him in his new world. What we do seems to bring all the past, all the story of Jesus, and all the future, the time when he comes back again, when God makes the whole world new. Now, we live in a world where there's so much hurt and so much need and so much pain. And we long for a world where that isn't present anymore. And God promises that to us, that there is going to be a time in our lives where we will experience everything of hope and of joy that we've always wanted. And so when we partake of communion, we are proclaiming that future kingdom that God brings. We are proclaiming everything that God wants for us. We are proclaiming everything that Jesus is going to do for us. And therefore, we are making a very positive, very potent, very precious promise, but also one that's very sacred and very holy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul speaks about that, and you have this verse in your outline. Um, let's read that together, okay? Let's say it together. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread. And drinks the cup. We see here the first thing that we do is when we eat it, you know, when you and I eat this, we're doing much more than just eating a piece of bread and drinking a little cup of juice. We are proclaiming to the world, to the unseen forces of the world, we're proclaiming to all that is around us that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are proclaiming not only that we believe it, but we are proclaiming the truth that it is happening. That God is alive and God is real and that everything that Jesus said and did is true. That he died on the cross, that he is the Passover lamb, that he rose from the dead. And when we proclaim it, we proclaim it because we believe that we are going to be with him together forever in heaven. When we take it, we are proclaiming that right now my sins are forgiven. And when Paul says that we ought to examine ourselves, okay, he is telling us that we should take this seriously. I think um, some questions were asked to me about this. Like, what if, let's say, I feel really guilty about a sin, or I feel really far from God. Should I not take communion? Is that what it means? 
And I don't think that's what it means. Um, communion was given in the context of the teaching of communion here is given in the context of a Christian church who was totally abusing communion. There was bread and there was wine and it was all set up for communion and some were going and actually having like a party. They were eating the bread and eating whatever food there was before others were getting there. They weren't treating it as a sacred ceremony to share with other people but rather as an individual party to have fun with each other. And then some were actually even getting drunk from the wine. Okay? And so Paul was, was rebuking them Paul was saying, you are not remembering that this bread and this wine represents the body and the blood of our Lord. Therefore, you better examine yourself because if you don't, you're bringing judgment on yourself. And so the context was that there was a frivolity about this, that they were treating it frivolously, that they weren't being serious about what's happening. They weren't recognizing what it is. But what about to those who feel, I feel really guilty. Like, like I said, maybe last night you had a bad night. You did something you know you shouldn't do and you're feeling really guilty. You're saying, well, I shouldn't take that. Okay, I shouldn't take me because I feel so guilty. I, I'm examining myself and I find myself wanting. You know, actually, if you feel really guilty right now and you feel really undeserving, this is the perfect time to take communion because this is when you really need it. But what God is saying is don't forget you are taking of the body of the Lord Jesus. You are taking of the blood of the Lord Jesus. And he wants you to be forgiven. And so guilt should not keep us from taking of Holy Communion. But we should take it seriously. And we should know that he loves us. And that this is a gift that he wants us to have. And it's something that, that we have to do individually. It's something that, that we get to do individually. You know, we, you can come to church and you can just sort of sit there quietly and anonymously and, and sing or listen to the sermon, um, but you can't come and take communion anonymously. There's something that, that you individually and personally get to do. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to share with the Lord three ways that we can take of communion. Three things that Paul says are the three greatest things in all the world. Faith, hope, and love. And so today I want to invite you to come and take of communion. If you have faith. If you have faith that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins. And that he rose from the dead. And that you believe that even as you partake of communion, it's because of your faith in the Lord Jesus. That you are trusting him with all of your life, with hope, with hope knowing that all your sins are forgiven and that he forgives you and that he loves you with a love that you could never express or experience anywhere else and that as you take it, you are expressing and saying, Lord, as best as I can, I too am giving my love to you. You are partaking in what Jesus has given to you that you might know the freedom of forgiveness, the joy of love, and the hope of eternal life with him. And so we're going to um, have a song. And while the song is being played and, and being sung, um, I want to invite you to come. We have three stations here. And normally, like, what we'll do is we'll have you line up, and you'll take it, and you'll take it back to your seat, and then you'll eat it. But today, I want to do it a little more personally for you and a little differently. 
is I want to invite you to come up here with your family, if you're with your spouse or with your children. Um, I want you to take it together as a family. And um, if you want to, you know, maybe the husband wants to serve the wife. Um, but to take it together, if you want to. You can come up individually, if that's the way that it works for you. But you can then come and then just kneel here or just stand for a quiet moment and then take of communion right here um, on your own. And then the people behind you will wait and, and take your place after you, you walk away. But let this be a time for you to come before the Lord to partake of communion, to partake within community, to know that you are connected to the past of Christ's cross, his death for you that he's very present here for you now, and that even as you take, you proclaim to all the world that you know that there is a better world. There is a holy world awaiting all of us, the world with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your kindness and for your goodness and for your grace. And Father, we pray that even as we prepare to partake communion, that we are examining our hearts. We are making sure, Lord, that as we take, that we recognize that this is indeed your body. This is indeed your blood. And we partake with faith. And we partake with hope. And we partake with love. Lord, you invite us all to come here to believe, to receive, to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.